you say hey? The oh. fine dog. The fine dog. <laughs> say hi. What a cutie. Good work. Ah. All right. She heard me talking shit. She walked in. <laughs> That's what I say. almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the man. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Sure, final JCM Jones from Mothership and Dirty South Soccer. Some of the time, Jeff Patrick from 99 The Game, Dirty South Soccer, all the time is over there. Kirk Castle is on the intro. The song is Chances. And if you haven't checked out Kirk Castle's music on Spotify already, you can check him out in person at the Earl on September 4th. Uh, it's right over there in EAV. It's a good little venue. And yeah, I think I think doors are opening around eight or so. So so get there and check out our buddy Kurt, who's a, a listener and a friend of the Discord and friend of the show and all those kind of things. Uh, makes good music. So the, there you go. Dare, dare I say a legendary venue in uh, in Atlanta? I would call, I, was, I would call it legendary. When I was uh, in high school, I remember writing very sternly written emails to the Earl because they had a twenty-one and still have a twenty-one and over limit. And it just made me furious because the bands <laughs> would come out I'd want to see and they wouldn't let me in. And I was like, what if I just promised not to drink anything? And they said, no. And I was like, this is dumb. Do you have to swim through alcohol to get to the stage? Why can I not just come in this venue? Um, so anyway, go see. You're, you're all old enough now. Hopefully go see Kurt at the Earl on September 4th. Uh, Joe Patrick, speaking of music, Elaine United. Did not make beautiful music on the field. I think that was a transition. I was going, I like, I like caught, caught in between like a music city thing with Nashville. And then I tried to go for oh, some right, like grander, right. grander yeah. statement about the, the state of the team's play style. But uh, look, Atlanta lost yeah. to nothing in Nashville. Yeah. And it was a snoozer was, too. You know, it was like not the, uh, the, the funnest yeah. game to watch. It was one of those games where, like, I, I told you this, I think, after we started walking out of the press conference, like, man, that made me actively tired. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I feel drained and I just sat there. There was, like, know? not a lot of chatter in the press box or anything during the game. You know, it just seemed like everybody kind of got into their own own heads and just kind of, yeah, kind of fell asleep a little bit. But that's what Nashville will do to you, right? Like, that's kind of their game. And I thought that they played an extraordinary they played an extraordinarily well to just kind of nullify Atlanta and Atlanta looked more like the bogged down version. Gabriel Heinze version of Atlanta United mm -hmm. than the kind of more open version that we've seen under Rob Valentino. But I don't think that's necessarily down to the fact that Gonzalo Pineda took over and Rob Valentino wasn't the head coach because like Rob Valentino was still on the staff. He was still he was right there for the game. If there was anything, any insight he would have had that could have improved things, I'm sure he would. So I know that that was just like one of the initial talking points coming out of the game. But, uh, you know, it was just like one of those things that happens when you play a tough team like Nashville. So, you know, I think that there's actually some good things that the team can look at on video and actually work on over a break. I think the break actually comes at a kind of a nice time uh, for this team because now, now they have some footage and Gonzalo Pineda can kind of get his hands on this team before they, uh, you know, continue the season under him. Yeah, the fact that Nashville is a very good team needs to color pretty much everything we kind of talk about today. They're just really good. Mm -hmm. And it's weird to think about that. And it's frustrating to think about that they can put together a roster with, with their budget and their being in a second year expansion team and everything like that and be so much better than a team like Atlanta United, you know, but 
they're a really good team. And, and to kind of assess and judge Gonzalo or anyone like that at this point, probably not the best idea. Uh, we can look at the team as a whole and see that there are some problems. We said before this game that Nashville was going to probably be the best barometer of this entire little stretch here that Lenny United has been on. And I think we learned that Lenny United is not the second or third best team in the East, <laughs> yeah. which makes a lot of sense. Right, right, right totally. Yeah. Like if, if I was a neutral and, you know, I was writing about this for, you know, MLS or the power rankings or, or whatever, you know, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, Nashville, one, two, nothing against Atlanta. Duh. Yeah, you makes know? sense. That, that's all. That's all this is, you know, and it's there's a reasons behind that. And we'll get more into that in just a little bit. I would agree with that assessment that you just made. I know we're going to get into this more later on in the show, but. I don't think that it means that Atlanta United cannot become one of the two or best three teams in the East by the time the playoffs roll around and in the playoffs making a run. Just I think that on a different day, Atlanta United could have won that game. You know, if something breaks right for them, they get a goal early in the game. Nashville has to come Mm -hmm. out of their show a little bit. Maybe that changes things. I still think the better team won on the day. I thought Nashville was just the better team and is the better team in general right now. But I think Atlanta United is on the right track. I think they've got, you know, an upward trajectory to them. I think they'll just continue to get better under under Pineda. So I know a lot of people were really dispirited about the loss because of what we is something that we've been talking about, which that you mentioned that it was a barometer for the team. But I don't think it's necessarily indicative of what is definitely going to happen uh, come the end of the year. Yeah, what, like 13, 14 games left. Atlanta United still with the easiest schedule the rest of the way. It's only going to get easier because now you have Nashville in the past. And man, once you get past Orlando City, it is yeah. it's a lot of Cincinnati. It's a lot of a really crappy Red Bulls team. It's a lot of those kind of things coming our way and a lot of those coming at home as well. So this is not an indication of our overall intentions of being in the playoffs right like those are still there those are still very plausible those are still probably expected but i I think we understand that right now this team isn't quite at that level and we'll get all into that in just a little bit but first some housekeeping things want to mention that we have a patreon joe patrick uh patreon.com five stripe final uh got interviews on there got updates from training uh sometimes we'll get some audio from training as well and kind of incorporate that into things some game previews all sorts of stuff coming on and of course you get to join the world famous five stripe final discord the best atlanta united discord in probably existence right gotta think gotta be gotta be yeah i would say so gotta be Come join us there. Patreon. We've got Michael Barbaro in our, in our discord. Who else, who else can say that? <laughs> Michael Barbaro has a question later in, in the episode. It's like a goddamn paragraph. And, a half. <laughs> and if we actually read it in our Michael Barbaro voice, this show would be four hours long. Anyway, love it. Speaking of Michael Barbaro, Michael Barbaro, a man who gets business done. We're going to get our business done right now. This is business time. Business time with Michael Barbaro. It's August 30th. This is time, Joe Patrick. Uh, a couple of things to kind of get to. Not a whole lot of good news to get to as far as business time uh, goes, unfortunately. But do want to mention these things <laughs> at the top of the show as we keep kind of moving forward. Santiago Sosa out for a long range of time. We, we don't know how long. We don't know the extent of the injury. We don't. Do you know exactly what the injury is? Was that even mentioned? No, it was not mentioned. But I, I, right. I, I remember noticing it when he went down in the Toronto game. He went down. I can't remember if he immediately came off or if he tried to play through it. But he, when he went off, he was pointing to his kind of groin or hip flexor area somewhere 
up on at the upper portion of his right leg where it meets the pelvis. So it could be any number of things, but it could be a quad even. Uh, but that was the area that they were looking at. I think it was his right. If that if anybody cares about that. So it's something in that region, of, which is not good. <laughs> Usually it's a that's, a, you know, something that can really limit your mobility. If it is a quad, you know, that was something that Joseph battled his first year in 2017. He heard it in Venezuela and that was that held him out. What? A couple months. So. You never know. Hopefully we'll get some more info on it this week. I think the team expects to have more information. He probably had to go for an MRI or something like that. So hopefully we get that revealed to us. It leaves a big hole in midfield. And we'll kind of talk about that, especially in the context of the Nashville game. Uh, but yeah, not not good. There's only so many midfielders left and there aren't a ton. Nashville, aren't a ton. the game really showed how valuable he is to the team, I thought. Exactly. Exactly. Also going to be missing for at least one game. It looks like it looks like it's just the Orlando game, but uh, something to keep an eye on the rest of this week. George Bella and Miles Robinson heading to join the USMNT. They probably are there as we speak. Uh, I think the first game is in Nashville. No, they're they're going to El Salvador, El Salvador, then Nashville and Canada. And then I forget, I think heard about Honduras is the next team, but three no games in the week for the USMNT and World Cup qualifying. I would expect George to get maybe one start. I think Miles probably starts two games if I had to make a guess at this very congested. It's that's three games real quick for the USMNT. I would think that Miles Robinson is going to start any. Are they all? Is, are there any friendlies or are these all competitive fixtures? All qualifiers. Okay, that's interesting in because the, it does. The new, whatever this is, the octagonal, I think is what they're calling it. Right. Okay. Yeah. That means the coaches will need to kind of. Maybe, you know, spread out the minutes a little bit between the players, because I was thinking if one of them was a friendly, then Miles Robinson would definitely start both of the competitive matches. It does seem like Greg Berhalter was super high on Robinson after the Gold Cup. I think I saw a quote from him saying that uh, he was like the most important player, valuable player or something to the team um, in that Gold Cup. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they'll rely on Miles Robinson quite a bit. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully Bello can get the last game off at least. That would make him probably eligible to play some sort of part in the Orlando game, but it's not great. And Joseph is certainly going to play all of the games for Venezuela, and they've got a game literally the day before that Orlando game. So, And Ronald Hernandez yeah. possibly too. He plays with Venezuela a lot. So I don't think you can yeah. assume that any of those players are going to be especially ready to start 90 minutes. Yeah, go ahead and consider them out for Orlando. I would just go ahead and do yeah. that right now. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, let's hope they come back safe and not injured from running right. like some, I don't know, late night sprints or something like that. Um, <laughs> oh God. You know, um, should be fine, but keep an eye on that the rest oh, of the week. Good news at the very least is that it appears uh, Franco Barra and Mo Adams are expected to be back with the team. Uh, Franco starting training and everything with the team. Mo Adams was already kind of with the team. Uh, doing some running and stuff like that during the game, apparently things like that uh, should be at least a little bit of reinforcement to a midfield that, that desperately needs it right now. I'm interested to see how Ibarra fits back into this team. I mean, he's is, he's missed, he's missed so much time. He has not played since Gabriel Heinze left the team. I mean, who, who, that was the last game that he played was Heinze's last game that he coached. So it'll be very interesting to see how he fits in. And I just I'm still not sure about his just overall level of quality. I just don't think we had really enough sample size to kind of really see what he's capable of at the MLS level. So I'm interested to see when he gets back and how big of a part he will play when he returns. I think with Santiago Sosa back, he or out, he has to play Probably. a big part. And yeah. we'll kind of get into that more as we talk about the midfield the rest of the way. Let's go ahead and do that right now in Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Time Game Time. Sports Time Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Game Prime Time. 
Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Joe Patrick again. Just want to color everything here with Nashville is very good. But at the same time, it's it's disappointing to see the team come out and put out, like you said, it was a very Einze kind of performance. The dreaded 0.6 XG came back, mm, you yeah. know, there, yeah. that felt minimal like level of yeah. chances. It felt like it for sure. That minimal level of chances created um, and just thoroughly outplayed. Nashville really kind of figured out the back three. They did a lot of solid things. Uh, I think Daniel Rios's goal especially was kind of a, a good example of how the center backs in the back three had to make choices really, really quick, mm-hmm. um, whether to step up and cover the space that was left by the midfield. I think Anton came and stepped up to Mukhtar and he played in Rios and Rios finished pretty easily as Alan Franco couldn't catch up. You know, yeah. um, it's kind of the danger of that back three is that you leave space within the half spaces, you know, because you have to, to spread out and leave those spaces. So if someone pulls and the rest of the guys aren't really in sync uh, and you can't recover, then you're going to be in trouble. And from what I recall of the goal, it seemed like the the center backs were all kind of chasing the play because there wasn't the structured midfield in front of them either that was able yep. to kind of shut things down. So once the ball entered those dangerous areas, boom, immediately you're kind of just chasing everything. And Atlanta was just second, you know, second best to, to every ball in that sequence. And it ended up with a, a clear cut chance for Nashville. So it's one of those things. And, you know, I think Gonzalo Pineda recognized that too. the fact that, you know, his the way his team was structured with the back three with really only the one true central midfielder in front of them, Amar Sadich, just leaves them very ex- exposed in certain at certain times in the game. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why he made that switch. And you got to, you know, it was t- it was a tough game for for Sadich. And it's tough because he played so well against D.C. Apparently, he's been carrying a pretty heavy injury uh, that left him highly doubtful to even play in that DC game, let alone Mm -hmm. this one. So it's just, and it's not, not a natural position for him to be the, like the, the lone defensive, most defensive midfielder in a team. So it's a, it's a tough one, but you know, I think that what we saw from Pineda was encouraging the fact that he, he recognized that and was willing to make a change in the team shape in his first match involved. But of course, Doing that leaves some more questions, uh, unanswerable questions mm-hmm. for the team, considering if you want to change that shape, you got to leave somebody out. And in this case, it was Alan Franco who he pulled out of the team. And it's going to continue to be Alan Franco. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Right. Like, I think that's just the choice you've got to make right now. I, I was interested. I kind of looked at the goals added and stuff today for Atlanta United. And Anton Walks was the highest rated center back by goals added. Um, hmm. You know, he's just contributing in a big, big way. So solid. Uh, Alan, Alan Franco was not that. Um, but uh, Anton's just a good leader, too. He just really is. Yeah. Um, uh, especially the the way he handles the press, the way he seems to handle folks in practice and everything like that. Um, which just to mention that real quick, Gonzalo Pinedo uh, introduced himself to the press earlier last week. Uh, let us watch the last 30 minutes of training. We got to see some short sided games up close. Um, and that was a blast and really encouraging. And it's interesting to see kind of the dynamics between the the players. And of course, Anton was one of the guys stepping up and speaking for his team and everything like that. Um, so I think, I think Frank is kind of the guy you leave out. Um, it, but that is assuming that they make this shift, but Joe Patrick, I think it's very clear. They've got to make this shift, right? You can't leave a Marseille on an Island, right? Like that's like, God, like uh, 
he's like what the, the fifth or sixth choice midfielder. And he's there by himself mm-hmm. for the most part, trying to to cover a ton of space against one of the best teams in the league. And they were always going to tear that apart unless Atlanta got lucky. Yeah. The, the way I see it is that you have invested pretty much all of your big time resources into this front four that you have with Marcelino Moreno, Ezequiel Barco, Luis Araujo and Joseph Martinez. Like that's where all your DP spots are, uh, you know, or most of them at least, uh, you know, that's that is where the money is for your team. And so I think as a coach, your objective has to be to support that four and that attack as best you can. And whether that's a back three or back four, you know, again, that's up to the coach's discretion. But, you know, this whole situation kind of reminds me of 2018, where we saw Todd Martino essentially dropped Tito Vialba and he was essentially coming off the bench during that stretch run. And it's not to say that Tito wasn't a good player. He clearly is. I think every Atlanta United fan has been uh, clamoring for him to come back at some point over the last two years. Um, But it's just one of those things where for the team to operate at its most efficient level, you got to pick the right characteristics of players and have the right kind of structure in place and so i think for this team that's probably a back four with two central midfielders because we saw after they switched that shape they were able to win a lot more of those second balls in midfield and just able to generally control the game a bit better and i think that that's what they're Mm -hmm. a lot they'll have to go to but of course right now they don't really have that many healthy central midfielders available but when they do start to become available when sosa and abara are both healthy together i think that that's when you may start to see that change you know because you know orlando is going to be the first in the next game on the on the schedule you probably won't have Miles Robinson, so you can honestly easily play that back four with Anton and Franco there uh, because you'll be resting Miles Robinson anyway. So you'll have some chances to kind of naturally be able to leave one out. But I think when you, it comes down to like playoff time, it's going to be probably Alan Franco who's going to be off the bench. Yeah, I would have to think so. It goes back to something I kind of mentioned to you as we were kind of walking out of the stadium. You know, it's it's not. It's maybe not the best 11 that you're putting out there. It's not your 11 best players, but it is probably the best formation for the the team as a whole, right? Like you're going to have to drop someone who is naturally a more talented and has a higher overall like FIFA rating than the <laughs> next guy coming in, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's just what probably needs to happen for the team. And it's interesting to me, like normally we talk about the back three being the more practical kind of thing, but this time it seems like the back four is the more practical kind of thing. Right. And it's honestly a luxury because you have such talented players in Anton and, and Miles and, and Franco and even maybe George Campbell there that you can plug in to those two center backs and they're probably going to make a difference still. You know, they're probably going to have a ton of impact and they're probably going to be able to be just fine defensively, especially, you know, since they have a little more help in front of them. So mm-hmm. it, it's not necessarily a, a, a step back as far as that goes. And you know? I, um, I, go I, I still wonder if I, this was something that I floated a while back and it never happened when he was in poor form, but I do wonder if Alan Franco could feature as a right back if you're playing in a game where you feel like you just want some more defensive solidity on that side if you're playing in a back four you'll have Luis Araujo in front of him to be able to make those runs forward so you wouldn't really be relying on a wing back type like Brooks Lennon so much so there is also the possibility to be able to be more flexible with just having some players in different positions where they might give you something different in a certain matchup that might you know help you so there's that too. Mm. Uh, kind of talking about the fullbacks. Let's talk about the fullbacks for a second. Um, it seems once again, like George had a good game when they were actually able to give him the ball. He has kind of taken on a role where he's able to get forward and charge in the box and nearly won a penalty yeah. there for a second. Uh, Var, of course, called that back. He was not ever inside the box before that foul. Um, but again, another really, really solid game. 
uh, it's just maybe not the best thing when your 19-year-old fullback is is having the best game attacking-wise for the team for the most part, except for Araujo, who we'll get to in a second. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And you know, something else I was thinking of is just like how many minutes George Bello has played this year. I think I heard at halftime when I was wandering around inside the press box that he's now played a thousand MLS minutes, which is the and he's a, or he's the second fastest player youngest player to reach 1000 minutes or something like that in his career. Um, I don't know if that's exactly the stat, but either way, it's just, he's played so many games and, you know, when we're speaking of the options that you would have at right back, potentially, um, I don't know another left footer off the top of my head on this roster that could play left back. If George Bellows not yeah. there, except for, you know, obviously Mikey Ambrose, but Mikey he Ambrose. is not really featured at all this year. And the one time he did, he had to get yanked at halftime. So, um, yeah, I just hope that he, uh, you know, <laughs> you, t- you talked off the top about just hoping players, uh, that are going off on international break, stay healthy. And I think for, George Bello, maybe no more, uh, no more important person to stay healthy than him. Yeah, no, well, I think it's interesting to kind of watch his stock kind of quickly rise here yeah. over the last few weeks. Of course, he gets called into the USMNT for World Cup qualifying, which is a good indication. Um, he started that Gold Cup final as well, uh, but now gets rewarded with a spot for qualifying. He's just been really, really solid. Had it's a, kind of important to point he, that out. He had such a difficult assignment in that Gold Cup final, too, with Tecatito on that side. Well. And yeah, mm-hmm. and he he totally locked him down. And he was a surprise to be on this MLS or on this uh, international roster for the United States. I don't think anybody really expected it, but, you know, kudos to him. Showed how impressed uh, Greg Berhalter was with his performances there. Let's flip to the other side, and I kind of want to talk about Brooks Lennon and his kind of role in the attack. And this is a small thing before we kind of get to the bigger things and more important things. It's just, I just wish he would play a cross earlier. That's it. That's my whole thing right now. That's all I want out of Brooks, I think, is just to not be so, I guess, stagnant when he's on the ball and kind of letting people get set. Uh, I feel like this team could benefit from him. Play, he plays a good ball. You know, mm-hmm. he's not Julian Gressel, but he plays a good ball. If he could just play it a little earlier, I think I'd be happy. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's just something that's been on my mind. My audio is actually going out on my end well, <laughs> a little bit through that. But, I, you know, cool. I I wish that he was... Uh, I'm with you that I I, th- I wish that he would get in behind more. He wants to do it. Like I saw him a couple times in this last game against Nashville, kind of like pointing out and like wanting players to make that that ball in behind for him. Um, but mm-hmm. I wish he would just be a little bit more cr- cr- uh, aggressive, maybe with his positioning, just to be higher up on the shoulder of that back line to really be ready in a position to to get to make that run in behind. Because I really do think that that's what this team is missing quite a bit. We've seen Joseph kind of drifting into left wing positions a lot just because he's trying to find space and there, because there's yeah. nobody making that run in behind or making that threat to to disrupt the opposing team shape. So I'm with you. I, I feel like there's more in him, but I also feel like he has not quite been the same since he's come back from injury. injury. Yeah. 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 I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I just, um, you know, if you're going to do that three, four, three, three, wow. Three, four, <laughs> three, and have the three be a little more central, right. And uh, you're expecting the wingbacks to, to provide that width. Yeah. yeah. You would like to see just a little bit more aggressiveness, I guess, and maybe willingness to play a ball quickly. Um, I think we've talked a lot about Brooks's key passes and stuff like that, but they maybe haven't created uh, as high quality chances as you would expect, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. It's just something that it's a minor thing, but it'd be nice if it 
did improve, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. no, yeah, that's a, that makes total sense. He waits like that little half second too long. It's like the, it's like yeah. the one little he, he there's like a hesitation to wait for a guy to be in the box instead of kind of delivering it and let the, letting opponents kind of run onto it because those are the most dangerous ones for the for the defense. You know, if if you allow them that extra second to get the goal, set, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, and you're right mm-hmm. that if you're playing a back three with those wing backs, you need them to be effectively wingers. You know, when you're in attack, you need them to be true threats going forward and uh yeah it's just maybe a little bit lacking from lennon i i agree with you there that's a small thing it's a small thing it, it's not like it's a thing that's really destroying the team you know right, the, right. the biggest issue is still the midfield but just these little things like that um let's get into some good news at the very least right and the good news is that Luis Arujo is apparently really good at soccer and that's not just me and, and joe saying that from the perspective of two people who enjoy watching Luis Arujo. <laughs> play soccer, you know, um, goals added per 96. He's only played 246 minutes. We're doing the whole small sample size thing. Uh, but leading the team and goals added per 96, which is impressive considering that Marcelino Marino was still third or fourth, I think, in overall goals added for the season. Uh, this is from American Soccer Analysis, by the way. Go check out them. Um, goals added per 96 across the league. He's third in the league right now with, with 0.15 goals added per 96. Um, so that's a, that's an impressive mark early. And as soon as he figures out how to score that first goal, he's really going to take off. I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was tough for, I, I felt bad for him because you could hear the groans sometimes with some of the shot attempts, especially at least for us in the press box. People were like, no, don't, don't shoot that. But he was amazing before he got into the box. You know, he was seven of seven on his dribbles. That's that's a lot of dribbling attempts overall in general Mm. and to be a hundred percent on those is pretty incredible uh and i love just like his style and the way he does it too he's so kind of nonchalant or like he's a glider yes yes very much a glider very like liquid i don't i don't i don't know exactly how to describe it but liquid came out of my my mouth so uh (laughs) no um and i think that honestly I, i i kind of hope i know that his tradition his numbers show that he is uh he has the tendency to take these longer shots but i also kind of hope that he's just that's what he's resorting to because he doesn't really know his teammates and their movements as well right now so maybe hopefully as time goes on and they get a little bit more cohesion together in the final third that they start to learn the kind of combinations that they might want to play to to generate some better shots but i still thought that some of the shots that he took were not terrible shots and he was certainly close to scoring on at least a couple of them so it wasn't all it wasn't all bad from him in front of goal and i think that on a different day he could have scored one it really did seem like he progressively got closer and closer to the goal throughout the game like he's like one really long shot to start and we went oh no here we go but as time went on he he really started to put uh, joe willis in some tough positions even forcing a really really tough save from joe willis at one point and if that goal goes in you know the the demeanor of this entire show is probably way way different you know mm-hmm. uh, and, and the the candor or uh, the 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 timbre of everything we're saying is different um so can, can, uh, can i say one really more encouraging th- i, I want to yeah. say one more thing about him and it fits the 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 i don't know if we've officially nicknamed him hollywood but we've kind of been like joking about that in the discord uh because of his initials of course la but just the fact like with, with him hiking up the shorts and stuff like love yeah. it love it yeah, gotta love it <laughs> No, hopefully he's around for a long time. He seems he seems like a dude. Yeah. And the more we keep adding dudes, the, the better we're going to feel about this team. All right, Joe. Anything else we want to we want to point out real quick before we we move on from a, a two nothing loss that I think we'd all rather just forget. Yeah, I think let's uh, let's answer some questions. Let's do that. 
All right, we'll do that right now after this quick break. And before we get back into the show, did just want to shout out once again our partners at Lucid FC for bringing you this episode of Five Stripe Final. They've got a new shop out um, in Buckhead. It's right behind the Whole Foods there. Uh, the address is 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest, if you want to write that down or Google it or whatever. But I cannot wait to see what they get done there because I think that that shop is going to be um, experiential, to say the least. These guys are really creative, and uh, I think that it will be more than just a a place to sell clothes. So that would be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. They've got their new spring-summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online. Called This is a Modern World. It's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on, on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra, extra large. And uh, price points from $8 to $380. So there's something in there for everybody. Uh, and it has just launched. And it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, Lucid FC. Dot us and maybe pick up yourself some uh, some modern world clothes. Wow, what a break! What an incredible break! The best break. Uh, not a whole lot of questions to get to this week. Uh, I think everyone, like we said, just kind of wants to to move on from this one. Maybe not dwell on it too much. There are better things coming, hopefully. Right. Uh, we'll start with this from Michael Barbaro, though, that kind of sums everything up. He says, "I didn't get to watch a lot of the game because I was uh, conscripted as grill master for the day." Conscripted as grill master. Fantastic. That's really well done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were no takeaways from what I did see, except that the midfield situation is not AAA plus right now and might actually be suffering pretty bad. We are always terrible against Bunker Ball. And aside from Bello and Arujo listing some moves and Nas, we were just flat. Did I miss anything? Uh, no, seems about right. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. pretty much spot on. Yeah. I would, I would say that Nashville's not Nashville's not so much a bunker. Like I would, I, yeah, I would consider I would, them like a mid block. Mm-hmm. Um, there was because there was definitely the space to run in behind. We were talking about that with Bello and Lennon, you know, where you, you would you want to see the team exploit exploit some of that space when it becomes available. Even if they don't connect on some of those passes, I think that just making those runs and trying those balls would give Nashville a little bit something different to think about, which may open up some more space, whether it's behind or elsewhere. But um, yeah, that's kind of getting into semantics. It was just one of those games where you get shut down by I would just call Nashville extremely organized. They're just extremely yes. organized, and especially when they win the ball back, they're also very dangerous. That, that's what allows them to win games is because they know exactly what to do with the ball when they win it and get into really dangerous positions. So just a very well-dueled team. <laughs> like, I, can't, I can't stress it enough. No. It's, it's Gary, Gary impressive. Smith, like, is the most anonymous human maybe in MLS because yeah. his name is Gary Smith, but he legit deserves Coach of the Year talk. 100 percent. I, I actually. Yeah. yeah, I thought that after the game. Hey, I don't know. Do we have mm-hmm. any questions about the fans? Because this was a whole thing because some what? people. I, Why? Yeah. So Nashville's fans were are right below the press box. Oh, OK. The, the away fans are always right below the press box. And so for most games, it's not that big a deal. You expect it to be a little bit louder for some of these rivalry games, especially the ones that are in driving distance like Nashville. Um, Orlando always brings a, a decent sized crowd as well. But I just thought Nashville, the Nashville fans were fantastic, like as loud and persistently loud as any that fans that I could remember. I was not in the building for the LAFC game, which some people were saying they were as good or better. But yeah, they were bigger and, okay. and maybe louder just because of that. But they were above us. So we couldn't. But like for this game with Nashville right below us in the press box, it was literally all we could hear for 90 minutes. 
Yeah, yeah. ninety minutes. And I also awesome. there were also some com- complaints that some of the chants, I guess, were not suitable for children or whatever. But get over it. Yeah, I, I, not that. Bit. That's for me personally. I don't really care about that. So um, I just want to give them some credit. And it's not to say that Atlanta fans aren't the same way. It's just that the the away fan section is just right by the press box. So it's it's funny to compare them versus you know other teams that come through. Philly always seems to bring a pretty loud uh, crowd as well that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Red Bulls brings a decent crowd. So there are some teams in MLS that bring a good one, but. Uh, give just a big shout out to them. So sorry, sorry, got us off track on questions. Yeah, no, that, that was good. I'm, I'm glad we got to mention a positive for at least one team. Uh, which brings us to the Nick, who says, "Was there anything good to take away?" I don't really remember much outside of the first 20 minutes. Was there anything good to take away? Uh, I think we kind of addressed Louise and George. Anything else that kind of stood out? Maybe a willingness to to make that shift from Pineda. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's just like the willingness, yeah. the confidence from the manager to make that change in his his first uh, his first game. And he said after the game that they had not trained it under him at all uh and he was he gave a lot of credit to the players for just picking it up and being able to go out there and just kind of be able to do the thing and they did well uh, in that in that shape so if they can train in it a little bit more and have some more firm ideas then i think that you could be looking at, at something that could be really good for this team another good thing uh gonzalo pineda continues to be very impressive in, in press conferences uh, yeah. i think yeah. i think i saw even national folks talking about how he handled that situation and you know it's it's a bummer to come in and lose your first game and, and get outplayed and everything like that but obviously he took he took the blame for it he you know did everything right said everything right that would you know respond or that would um play well with the players you know and stuff like that and i, I think that's just going to continue to be the case at, at the very least we have a very good person coaching the team which is nice He's just a great he's a great guy. It's so funny. I keep on again. I'm I'm sorry if uh, you don't really follow the Premier League or anything, but it's just kind of crazy for me as a Tottenham fan. It's like the same exact story with Tottenham going through the Jose Mourinho era, which was terrible. And now Tottenham fans are just like, well, thank God we have Nuno Espirito Santo. He's not anything special, but, you know, he we can still win games under him with our talent. And he's just a good person that we enjoy having as our manager. And it's almost the same exact story with Gabriel Heinze and everything that's happened with Atlanta United. So it's just kind of funny in that respect. Yeah, you can win games as long as every single one of those games is one to nothing. For <laughs> That's right. Games. That's right. It's never going to change. I hope they win. I hope they win on like 114 points on 38 goals for <laughs> and not allowed. I think that'd be amazing. Maybe I'll try to do that on FIFA later. Um, let's see. Uh, Jacob asks, what's the opposite of a new manager bump? I, I don't quite know, but this is uh, this is something we need to talk about just to calm everyone down uh, because one, the new manager bump is fake. It's not a real thing, right? Like Rob got it because the team was at a low point. And what do you do at a low point? You automatically like not automatically, but generally you go up from it, right? Because we fired Gabby at a low point. Teams just go up from low points. And even still, he didn't win his first game. Yeah. And it was against Cincinnati. Yeah, that's what I was going to look at. I, I, you know, I think he had a relatively easy schedule. I know he had a much easier schedule in the running games that he had than uh, than Gabriel Heinze had. Gabriel Heinze had actually just come (laughs) off a really tough stretch of games culminating with uh, New England, who uh, obviously was his um, the breaking point for him. Yeah, because they had let's see. They played. Well, shoot, it's not coming up for me. Here we go. Cincinnati, Columbus. Is that right? Yeah, Cincinnati, Columbus. Orlando, Montreal, Columbus again. They play Columbus twice. Yep. Columbus at home was a loss on that little header off of the corner. 
That's right. And then they went up to Columbus and won, and that started the fourth game. That's right. Streak. Then LASC so. in Toronto. So it's not the toughest so. stretch of games there. Um, not that not, you know, not that you would expect uh, him to do as well as he did, but yeah. So everyone just calm down. They're probably going to lose to Orlando too. Kind of be honest, especially with everyone that's missing. You know, even if Orlando can't score to save their lives right now, they're probably going to lose. But again, it's the rest of the way that really matters. These home games against very bad teams. If they start losing those, maybe then we can be concerned. Even still, it's it's definitely a year zero for Pineda. You know, mm-hmm. um, next year is going to be the real year one. And, and maybe then we can start panicking like we love to do around and, here. And again, I'm, a, I'm more encouraged after that game than I was even beforehand. I mean, I was encouraged about Gonzalo Pineda coming into that game. But even despite the fact yeah. that they lost, I thought that just the way that he made the changes and um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the it wasn't the worst game. It was just a really tough game to win. Let's move to this. Is I'm going to group all of these together. Um, I. We'll start with this. Uh, Akis, we're on. I, I don't know how to say your name. I, I don't think that's your real name in the Discord. Uh, but get at me and, and tell me your actual name so I can I can fix this. But when each time I have to pronounce it on Five Star Final, um, he <laughs> says, if I remember correctly, there are two weeks till roster freeze. And while we might get back Abara and Adams from injury, Sosa's status is still unknown. Would it be prudent to trade for another defensive midfielder or should we hold tight till everyone's healthy? Uh, Christian asks, who's a badass defensive mid? We can add to the squad next season. And Smurphy asked, damn, plus Lopez, plus Cuba, plus the rest of the XAM <laughs> allocation for one Yama. So everyone kind of has the same idea there, right? Like there, there's a clear need for some kind of defensive midfielder to be in the lineup. But the thing is, you have that, right? Like that that's kind of what I've come around. To. I mean, you have Sosa mm-hmm. and you have someone like Ibarra who we don't, like you said, Joe, we don't quite know his level of quality, but he can be in that position, I think, and make a difference. You know, I I don't think you necessarily have to go out and do something. Not that I think you can do anything at this point. There's like no way they have any allocation money or F, right? Yeah, well, I mean, right. for for this season, are, are is the isn't the window passed? Are are they able to still make trades within the league or something? Something like that. Okay, I, I, I'm going to trust um, the person who asked that question. <laughs> I do think. Okay, so uh, for for Christian's question, he says, "Who's a bad defensive midfielder we can get in the squad?" Uh, I agree with you that you know it's not necessarily a defensive midfielder that that the team is looking for, as opposed to just like a central midfielder that you can pair along with Santiago Sosa. Maybe it is a defensive midfielder, and you have Santiago. Diego Sosa playing even more advanced, but I think Sosa is kind of that number six. Um, you know, I was thinking of, and this is not a specific name that would come in, but I'm just th- saying the kind of player, maybe like a Carlos Carmona, you know, he was a player that was kind of in, in Europe, but his playing time decreased still was, I think what, 28 or 29 when they signed him. So still kind of mm-hmm. at the latter end of his prime years. I think a player like that would be somebody that, that Atlanta United should target and they should have plenty of, allocation or yeah allocation money i think it, assuming they nix the contract of jurgen dam um which i have oh, to assu- i have yeah. to assume they will buy that out because you, there's literally no better buyout that you could possibly have because he makes the maximum amount of money for a non-dp um so i think the team should be able to clear up enough uh, allocation money to bring in somebody for that role and you have yeah, got him coming back too but you, you never know how the player coming off a knee surgery like that's going to return I feel like we've been saying we need a Carmona replacement since 2017, <laughs> to be yeah. totally honest, whenever he went back to, to Colo Colo. Um, so I don't know that that uh, I don't know if that's exactly it. I, I'm going to think on it more. I'm going to think on it more. Let me ask you this. What is the if this is a switch to a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, whatever you want to call it, what does that midfield three look like to you? 
uh, assuming that we have no Santiago Sosa, but Ibarra and Adams are healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's probably uh, so I think of it more as like you need you're looking for two midfielders to play like that double pivot behind the three of Barco Mm -hmm. Moreno and uh, Araujo. If we are saying it's a three man midfield, I would say Marcelino Moreno is probably that central one. He's the one who seems to like to go side to side more on the field, just cover more ground in general and, and, and get in those battles and win those balls. So uh, I, and I, and it seems like also Barco with him playing on the left, he has that really nice relationship with Bello so that they can have that kind of interplay when they go forward there. Um, so I would say Marcelino Moreno would be one of those three midfielders. And then the other two, I think are probably Sosa and Ibarra, like we've talked about. I mean, I think that those are your two most talented midfielders that mm-hmm. you have right now. Um, and they would have it. You let's know, say Sosa's these, out though. But let's say Sosa's oh, out. Oh, let's say Sosa's out. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I would go with Ibarra and Sadich. Sadich is, you know, his health is a question mark. Uh, but I would assume that he's going to be kind of higher up the ranks than Mo Adams. I know Mo Adams has been a name that a lot of people have said, like, well, what about him? And um, to me, he's more of like a ball winning destroyer who's who's much more limited in his role. And again, with his injuries, I, I'm just not sure exactly how he's how effective he'll be and how much of the same player he'll be when he returns. But I really feel like he always needs players around him who can really handle the ball and want the ball. Let's keep talking 433. Uh, Dr. Vote MD, thank you for your question, doctor. I, I thank you for your service. Uh, why does every coach want us in a 343 or 433? It seems that we dominate with a 352 on that Boca. Got the personnel for a 352. I'm no tactical genius, but there must be a reason. Do y'all know? It's, it's a it's a good question. I think that maybe ask why that 352 isn't quite there, but it, it's not that much different from a 343 is the thing, right? Like, what are we saying here that we move maybe Marcelino a little more centrally and a couple other guys more centrally? Uh, but they already are pretty central, to be totally honest. Even yeah, if it's labeled as a 343. Yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's uh, it's more about your defensive shape than it is like the uh, the attacking shape, because it for me, like when you're talking about the three forwards and a 343, those are just essentially three forwards who are going to float around the field and just try to find places where they can pick up the ball and run off each other. It's not like you necessarily have two guys who are the strikers and they're supposed to do certain things. And the one guy is the midfielder and he's supposed to do a different thing. They're all kind of working together, at least when you're on the ball going forward. And I assume that's what this conversation is kind of uh, about or this question's about. So I, I'm not as, you know, obs- I don't want to say that Dr. Vote is obsessed with this, but I'm, I just don't obsess over these kinds of formation things. And I also, I, I would dispute one thing, which is that, um, that the personnel is four or three, five, two. I, re- I really don't see it as being that. Cause I don't know who is the other kind of striker. If you are saying that you would play with two strikers, it's Joseph. And I don't, I don't know who the other one necessarily is. Yeah. I think that's all fair. I think you're, you're spot on. Uh, Pierce asked, is Sadich carrying an injury? What's with the subbing him for a set to instead of a pairing? And I think, yes, we, we've already kind of said that Sadich is carrying some kind of knock. Joe, do you know exactly what that is? No, I have no idea what Sadich's injury is. Uh, and I, by the way, I've totally forgot about Mateus Rosetto. I'm still not very high on him though, in general. Yeah, so. no, I'm still not convinced. He had like one good game against Columbus that things seemed to work out for him. But again, it's Columbus. So yeah. I don't really know. And they gave him a ton of space, it felt like as well. Yeah. You know, I'm still not convinced if a team is pressing or, or whatever, he can be the guy who retains possession. And, and I guess the nag esque way we're going to ask him to do it, if that makes sense. Uh, B. Mildenhall asks, what's the predicted lineup versus Orlando in light of national team call-ups and injuries? I guess we can go ahead and do this r- right quick. Let's, okay. let's make some subs. 
Um, who do you put in for Bellow on the left? I guess is the thing. Who are they going to a back four against Orlando? Yeah, I guess let's say are. it's back four. Yeah, um, that's a tough one because normally you would go Ronald Hernandez, but Ronald Hernandez is involved in these games as well, and we don't know if he'll be available. Um, again, I think he probably won't be because I think that he plays more with Venezuela than or as much with Venezuela as he does with Atlanta. Um, it's Ambrose. Would you go? Would you go? Would you go, Ambrose? Unless we're just blatantly missing someone. I think it is. Okay. I'm trying to think. And it's not like you can really, you can't really just be like, oh, well, we'll go back three and play like a midfielder out there because um, you don't have your three center backs. Yeah. I guess we've got Georgia in. Yeah, theoretically, Campbell. Oh yeah, George Campbell. Mm. Mm, maybe he is good. Like he, he is definitely. I mean, you could insert him as as a third center back for sure if you want to keep that shape. But I tend to think that they probably will go away from it. Ah, yeah, yeah, let's let's just good. throw Ambrose in there. I guess we'll have to throw Ambrose in there. Yeah. Uh, what do we do about Joseph? Is, is Kibo the guy starting here, <laughs> or do they shift some folks around? And maybe <sighs> I don't know, like an Eric Lopez on the wing. Maybe move Araujo to the to the front, something like that. This is all. This is such a mess. Yeah, man. I don't it think is, Gonzalo it, Pinedo at all. <laughs> this is really messy. Yeah, I. There's no way Gonzalo Pinedo even knows uh, what his what his uh, starting eleven is going to look like that night. I would guess yeah. it probably would be Kubo. To be to be perfectly honest, I just think that a, a new coach would come in and do that. I think if if it's not him, uh, Tyler Wolf is probably looking like the more likely young player that would come in and play in the starting lineup. Jackson Conway has gone back down to the twos, which I think is a very smart move Good. by the club and to get Jackson Conway some more minutes because he really needs him. I feel really bad. I feel I worry that his development has kind of been stunted this year because he just hasn't been on the field as much. Uh, and Tyler Wolf's been killing it with the twos, um, especially he, he just worked so hard up front. Really good presser. So uh, that could be somebody that Gonzalo Pineda goes to. Let's move on to this. Jonathan asked not to beat a dead horse, but Kassan should have done better on that goal. It's near post. He never says feet in that angle. The goal is very small and he should cover that. It's what he's paid to do. And this is kind of a conversation I think we just kind of keep having. I think we all probably understand at this point that the Gazan strength is not a shot stopper at this point. You know, um, if, if you want that, it, it's Alec Khan. It's going to be better. Maybe even. Maybe even Rios Novo at this point might be a, a, just a straight up better shot stopper. But there are all the other things Kazan does well, uh, which uh, like control the box and things like that. Um, and he's paid a lot of money, so he's not going anywhere at, at this point. Uh, not this year. Anyway, maybe maybe during the offseason. We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think that situation was pretty clear when he came back and was immediately thrust right back into that starting role, despite the fact that can was not only in good form, but you know, just Brad had not played games. So you would think that they might want to wait a little bit before they just inserted him right back in. But no, he did. And you know, it's, <laughs> sometimes when the players talk about well, what does Brad Gazan mean to this team, it's almost like a little bit too much. I think one time George was like, I'm so thankful he's in my life. And I was like, that's like, Whoa, that's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's crazy but good for brad i guess um he's, he's that much of a leader and has that much of an impact i don't what know what else is crazy joe patrick that this is rapid fire eberhardt creative ask in relation to the rest of the league do our fans corner the market on jumping to dumb conclusions and or the shittiest takes no, <laughs> no. and that was rapid fire that's rapid fire all right we did it. We did it. A short one today. Woo. Not a whole lot to really kind of talk about. Fix the midfield, please. Someone, dear God. 
Uh, anything else before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, besides Kirk Castle being at the Earl on yeah, September 4th? Yeah, a little bit of a shorter show today, uh, but we'll have more. I think we're going to get Tom Bogard on later this week. Uh, we'll have, I think, with some big guests that we've already kind of floated a little bit, but you got to be in the Discord to know what those, who those potentially might be. Maybe we'll get somebody on. I was just thinking, you know, with this being an international break, maybe we get scuffed back on or somebody to talk we about. Get scuffed. Maybe we can, um, maybe we can hit up Waki. Waki. Yeah, that would be a good one. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Um, But we'll get some people on, hopefully, to talk about the international break. We'll have lots of good guests coming up these next few weeks. All right. Beautiful. Let's get out of here. We love you. Bye, y'all. Go dogs. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece. <laughs>